Hello everyone, welcome to the Nice World Podcast. Today we are here with another episode and we have an outstanding individual on the show. His name is Samuel and he is the owner of We Source Products, a global manufacturer. Everyone, I want you to say hello to the one and only Samuel. How are you doing? You right? Yeah, I'm perfectly fine. How have you been? I've been good. Thank you for inviting me here. Oh, most definitely. We've been trying to hunt you down to get you on the show. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Been a really important person. Really today, you know, we just want to get to know more about you, about the nature of your business and obviously how you got to where you are today. Most definitely. So yes. the first question I'm going to fire at you now is tell me about your whole journey of creating resource products. Good question. So um, I think it started really when I was in university. So I studied economics and finance and mm. I always had a passion for business, yeah. making money, sort of finding people who have a need and selling something to them. And once I graduated, I thought, you know what, there's a lot of people who study economics and finance. A lot of people want to go into banking. What can I do to kind of separate myself and make sure that I'm sort of different from the rest? Yeah. And something came to mind, which was, you know what, you should study a language. So I went through quite a few languages. I said, you know what, German, a lot of people speak, Portuguese. We've got a lot of people that speak that. Yeah. Why not think about something that's sort of interesting? Not that many people sort of speak that language. Mm-hmm. And the language that came to me was Chinese. Chinese? That's correct. That's correct. So are you telling me you're fluent in Mandarin? Shudder. Oh my Shudder. gosh. Okay. So how did this all start then? So obviously you started learning a new language. Did you start sourcing from that country? Was that your main country? No. So actually, so it started for me wanting to learn the language to have an opportunity to move to Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So I was there for voluntary work. I did some um, voluntary work for organization. Yeah. And that really enabled me to kind of learn the language, be exposed to the culture yeah. And when I came back, I said, you know what? I've got the business ideas. I've got the language skills. Let me just put the two together and see what comes out of it. And so I had the opportunity to go to China. Yeah. And that's where everything sort of started for us. So when you was in China, what part of China was you? So I was in the south. So that was Dongguan. Dongguan. So it's not far from Shenzhen. Yeah. It's a couple of hours from uh, Hong Kong. I know about China. Again, I was there for about a year because obviously when I was out there, I was out there sourcing products as well. But I was in um, West Nanjing, so okay. Shanghai. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, I didn't learn the Mandarin. <laughs> it was very hard. It, I'm is, lie. it, it was, is, but it's a beneficial language to have. Most definitely. Like I'm not going to lie, even being a black person speaking Chinese, I yeah. think that's absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. I'll give you that 100%. But um, one thing we really want to know about is I know creating this business, like obviously as you're such a global manufacturer, I know you must come across a lot of challenges. So what's been the real challenges and like the trials and tribulations you've gone through in your whole career of obviously setting this up? I think one of the challenges that I think a lot of people can relate to is COVID, right? So once we were manufacturing products for a lot of brands, what we realized was COVID hit and that put a real sort of question mark on the nature of the business Mm -hmm. and the viability of the business. So we said, you know what? We're operating in China already. Yeah. China's always going to be a place we're going to operate. But what we need to do is we need to diversify our, our, our business. And so we opened up a factory in Pakistan. And that allowed us to kind of work with um, the supply chain in Pakistan as well as China. And so having those two with the UK as well, it's really helped us a lot. It's, it's helped us to kind of see where the weaknesses in our businesses, but also how do you improve on that and how do you make sure that that doesn't happen again? Do you know, like even listening to you speak right now, like you're a young person. And you're speaking like a man who's had years of knowledge. It was like a man who's in his 40s. No, no, no. So, like, again, even opening up multiple factories, like, this this is not an easy task to do. How did you build that network to do such a thing? So the first place I went to, so when we started the business, the first place I went to was a factory in Dongguan. Yeah. So before we started the business, I worked for a factory, and I was a prince in a packaging factory. 
So they did products for Disney, Walmart, QVC, HSN, mm-hmm. a lot of big brands. And it gave me exposure to understand why people are manufacturing there, yeah. but also understand the reasons that people kind of face. And that is not being able to speak the language or speak it to factories directly. You've got communication issues, you've got language barriers, you've got time differences as well. Yeah. And so having someone who spoke the language lives over there and understands the best of the West as well as the East it just makes sense to open up a business. That's excellent. One thing I would really like to know, obviously, because you're a Westerner, so obviously to the Chinese, I can imagine they must inflate their prices. Like, obviously, when they... Like, at the beginning, I would say, yeah. they must have inflated their prices yeah. to you, isn't it? But now you know how to speak Chinese, I can imagine they deal with you different. Is that correct? Yeah, I think one of the things you've got to understand in the business, you have to understand your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And so I'm never going to be able to speak like a native. Yeah. And so when it comes to getting prices, it comes to understanding what the true issues are or what the true costs are i just leave that with my team have them quote it out give it back to me i can review it and then present it over to our clients that's absolutely excellent when it comes to your team like you just mentioned like when you first started was you just solo when i first started it was just me on the rodeo it was just myself just yourself it was just myself and so what age did you start this so i started this at 27 goodness me and now it's obviously gone global it's gone it's gone global yeah so we started at 27 um and I was literally just flying from China to America, finding clients to work with. Yeah. We'll go to trade shows, we'll go through our networks and find out who's sort of manufacturing in China. And once we did that, we kind of felt that, you know what, if we do this a bit more, there's actually, there's a market in this. There's yeah. people who actually need our help. And so that's where it kind of grew up from, just a one-man band to a team in many locations. <laughs> People, you see this guy here? This is a serious man. This is a very serious man. Young people out there, if you want to start your brands, you need to speak to this man because he's still young and he's already accomplished this, which is, I think is absolutely phenomenal. But I know obviously you're speaking about the manufacturing. What products do you mainly like manufacture? Is it just like specific materials? Or so with Weasel's products, it's mostly apparel. Okay. So that's uh, for streetwear brands, such as your, you know, your hoodies, your t-shirts, you've got swimwear, mm-hmm. active wear cargoes so that's that's that power element yeah outside of that we also manufacture and source products for businesses in china so let's say for example you're an established business you have maybe an e-commerce site or maybe doing things on amazon and need a bit of support from china that's where our team come in we kind of understand the supply chain process we kind of look at the weak points and then we kind of advise what to do how to get prices down how to get lead times quicker yeah and then we execute so how do you build your traffic as well? Like, again, so when it comes to your actual leads, is it all done, like, through social media or do you, have, like, run campaigns? It's a combination of both. So you've got your online and you've got your offline. So for online, we're obviously looking at social media, such as Instagram as mm-hmm. well as TikTok. And then for offline, it's trade shows, it's working for your networks, Ooh. it's um, just just literally hard, hard graph sort of working with clients and figuring out who needs help. Yeah. And always asking that question, which is, I understand that this business, is, this service has helped you. Yeah. Who do you think could benefit from the service? And you just open up a conversation like that. It's excellent. So when it comes to your actual client portfolio, like who's some of the big names you've got in your actual portfolio? So as I mentioned before, um, so we've got some clients, obviously I can't disclose because they're on the NASDAQ. I understand you, don't worry. <laughs> so we've got clients that are on the stock exchange. In addition to that, as I mentioned before, we've, we've got QVC, mm-hmm. we've, got, we've worked with HSN, um, we've, we've done products with Walmart, we've done products with Michaels. Um, and the list kind of goes on. Isn't the list goes on. Yeah, yeah this, this is powerful. This is absolutely powerful. Such a young age to obviously experience so much. 
Like I think it's very touching, especially for young people, because I know a lot of people want to start their brands, but they don't know what to do. They don't mm. know where to go. Mm-hmm. And obviously you cracking this industry, it's an amazing accomplishment, like especially to the level you've scaled it to as well. It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't have, it, I wouldn't be able to do this if I didn't have a mentor. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people who want to start a business, I think one of the things that they should do, you may not want to do it at the start or you may not have the opportunities to do it from the start. Yeah. But it's to find someone in the industry that's that's killed it. Is that what you did? Killed it. And that's what I did. So I was I was kind of brought into the industry through a good friend that I know that now has become my mentor. And he's been able to show me a lot of things. He's been able to teach me a lot of things that's yeah. valuable to the business. And so whatever sort of business you're cr- trying to create, just have someone who's aware of the industry. So when you have problems, you have sort of hiccups, you can go to someone who has experience, who's mm-hmm. been in your position before, and then you can start saying, okay, I've done this. What do you think about this? Or what do you think about this? Do you think this is a good plan? What do you think I should change? What do you think I should, should stay? Yeah. And those would be things that you can have good conversations with versus, you know, you're asking your friend and he doesn't know anything about the business and he's kind of providing the best information he can, but it may not be the best thing for you. So that's you what see, I would suggest. What you just said there, like I really have to highlight, you said mentorship. And I've noticed a lot of people nowadays, they don't really look for mentorship. They think they can just do it themselves, mm-hmm. that they can just do, like they haven't even got the knowledge, but yet they'll want to take on a challenge themselves. So when it came to you finding this mentorship, like I know you say it was a friend, did you have to pay them? Like, cause people say knowledge isn't free or did this person completely just bring you in and just show you the ropes? So even before I answer that question, I think just the whole element of mentorship, I think a lot of people may not have access or may think they don't have access to a mentor. But I think if you, out there you're proactive mm-hmm. and you're looking for people who know something about your industry yeah they don't initially have to become a mentor for you you can ask a question which is oh i'm looking to develop this product in the market from your experience do you think it's something that's good yeah and they could say well it could be maybe you need to do a bit of research or it's totally bad and then from there you can develop the relationship it's not just about taking and taking and taking you've got to understand okay it's a give and take okay you've got to add value to them they've got to add value to you. Otherwise, it's going to be a situation where you're always asking and it gets to the point where people may say, you know what? I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I understand you with that 100%. But to answer the question, I think I think what I would suggest um, with regards to finding a mentor mm-hmm. is just look for people that are killing it in the industry. Yeah. And you may not be able to have a direct relationship with them at the start. It may just be you're reading things that they've said yeah. or you're watching things that they've done or you're going to an event that they're speaking at and just understanding what they're, what they're saying. And then maybe from there, you can potentially reach out to them or reach out to a friend of the friend. It's all about networking, right? And so you have to be able to be open to find someone that knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It may not be the person that you want or it may not be the person that you're looking out for, but they're gonna know more than you. Yeah. They're gonna have experience that is way beyond your capacities and your capabilities. and so. Just find out what, what is available, utilize what's available, and then continue to grow it from there. You know what? That mindset is what you call powerful and very strong. And I can understand having this type of mindset, why have you got it? Like, what's giving you this drive to obviously scale your business, to make you want to go to the next level? Because, again, a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. They're not really good at entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. But with you, you know what you're doing. So why are you like this? Is it because, let's say, you have a family member like your father? Was he a businessman as well? Or is this because you just want a better value of life? I think there's a, there's a, lot, of, there's a lot of things that kind of contribute to business and the way I've sort of grown yeah. what we've done. I think definitely my dad did play a role. 
Yeah. So my dad actually runs an accountancy firm. Ooh. You also run a cleaning company as well. Yeah. And that was cleaning for like Premier League football clubs at the time. So we've always been exposed to my dad run the business and sort of just been exposed to that. Mm-hmm. I think secondly, I'm, I'm originally from Nigeria. Ooh, the periods. <laughs> and so we had that sort of like competitive sort of energy where we yeah. want to kind of go out and do business and, and what have you. But I think more importantly, it's also about the people that I've admired. Mm-hmm. A lot of them that I admire and look up to, they've all ran businesses. And yeah. it's not to say that I'm trying to get there because they've made money, but I've just seen how they operate. I've seen how they look after their family. I've seen how they've been able to do things, whether it's like charity work or other yeah. stuff that may be hard if you don't have a business. I'm not saying that you have to have a business to do those things, but what I'm saying is that I've seen the people who've done it yeah, and I've really admired what they've done and it's just, it motivated me to kind of create my own business. You see that motivation, people? That's the call. Powerful right there. Absolutely powerful. And I see what you're saying right now because um, a lot of people, obviously, like I said before, they want to be entrepreneurs, but they don't really have that real drive. They just want to get rich quick yep. sort of thing. But I notice speaking to a lot of obviously successful people, they've always got a hidden drive behind them. For example, like with myself, I've always wanted to look after my mother. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Always wanted to retire my mother. Always wanted just to control things like financially for my mother. Yep. So that's one reason why I'm like, you know what? I need to keep scaling my business. I need to keep doing good. I need to keep improving. I need to make more money. Yeah. And that's what I really understand. But from your side, that's powerful. That is absolutely it powerful. Is. You just reminded me of a guy that I look up to. His name is Les Brown. Yes. And he talks about this bamboo tree, right? Mm-hmm. And it says the bamboo tree, basically in the span of five years, the first couple of years it doesn't grow. Yeah. When the last year it grows at a phenomenal rate. Mm-hmm. And the point he's making is, does the business grow in the first year or does the business grow in the fifth year? And the point he was making was, look, the business grows from the start. And what normally happens is as business owners, we kind of think, you know what, if I make a business today, I'm going to make money today. I'm going to grow the business today and it's going to be great. But sometimes you have to wait five years yeah. for the business to actually bear some fruit. And so just to kind of go back to what you were saying, I think, um, especially our generation, we kind of def- like be realistic and say, you know what, there are some businesses that they yeah. set up today and they make money today. But the majority, you set up today and it's going to take a few years for it to kick off. And so just be... Just be aware of that before you start a business. It's 100% true. Like even people starting business, like the ratio, like when it comes to percentage of companies actually progressing and then companies failing, like probably three quarters of startups fail. Mm-hmm. That's because everyone goes into it thinking that they'll make money overnight, but yet they don't understand the overheads. They don't understand all the different investments they need to invest into. And it's quite a lot. It is. But um, with business, again, I think if you really structure it right, you'll be perfectly fine to go. Yep. But back to obviously you and your business now. Sorry, yep. kind of straight off. No, no, you know? no, no, you're good. You're, you're good, you're good. <laughs> I really want to know, obviously, on your whole journey, what's like your biggest achievements like for when it comes to resource products? I think the one of the biggest achievements, if I'm going to be honest with you, is actually opening up a factory in Pakistan. Um, that's probably been one of the biggest achievements that we've accomplished so far. And the reason why I say that is because we initially, when the business started, we was initially working with factories in Pakistan. Yeah. So we was, let's say, for example, an agency or quote unquote a middleman. Mm-hmm. So we'll receive the order, we'll give it to our partners in Pakistan, mm-hmm. and then they will then facilitate the order. But what we understood was that with supply chain, you're always going to be relying on somebody else. And we wanted to kind of shorten that process so that, let's say, for example, there's an issue at this factory that they can't control. 
if we own the factory, we can obviously control it. It's mm-hmm. not said that the issue is going to be resolved, but we can control it in-house yeah. versus relying on somebody else to kind of control it. And you know what? They don't have the same energy as you. They don't have the same sort of eagerness to get things done. And so being able to sort of open up the factory, bring people in, have them operate, and then be able to service the clients better has been it's been it's been it's been wonderful it's been amazing to open a factory samuel like that is outstanding like that is another level like even when i source my products i'm always contacting different factories like having the idea of knowing that you actually control your own factory that's another level but i know doing this it was not easy like what was the whole process for this how long did it take to even get to this level to so open we, your own we posted so we posted on our social media page the process so we actually got in to so we arrived at Pakistan. Yeah, we had a we obviously we had our um, country manager look and scout for a few places that we could potentially rent. Mm-hmm. So we found a spot and we said, you know what, we can potentially build this up and get it sorted out in like a couple of weeks. And we realized, you know what, we can get this done in a week. Yeah, and so we built in all of the like uh, machinery. We got in lighting. We got in all those different things like, and that's been able to sort of help us and help the community as well. Build up people there that have, um, you know not that much opportunity. And so it's also helped them as well. Yeah. Provide for their families, um, just sort of have more opportunities to do better in their area. So it's benefited us, but it's also benefited people there as well. Yeah. And we pay these guys very well compared to what other people are paying them. So it's not to say that we're sort of like, you know. Using people using like. People. No, no, not at all, at all, not at all. So with obviously, because I know you're saying you're helping people in the communities out there and things like that. What is your future projection as well? I know you're a Nigerian as well. <laughs> and I know about the Nigerian. Nigerians are very into their culture. They help their people, etc. Are you looking to expand maybe into Africa for when it comes to factories in the future? What's on your, like, what's your It's the interesting, you know, it's the interesting thing you said that because when we first opened up yeah. in Pakistan, obviously we blog everything. That's the, that's the way of marketing right now. Yeah. You are transparent and you show people the process. And so once we opened up Pakistan, we got so many comments, which is You're black. Why didn't you open up in Africa? <laughs> open up in your hometown? Open up in like all these areas? And I thought, you know what? These are very good points. Yeah. But what you have to understand is, okay, let's understand where the mills are. Ooh, very good. Let's understand how good the logistics are. Mm-hmm. Let's understand how good the infrastructure is. Mm-hmm. Let's understand the way of doing business. How easy it's to do business in these countries, mm-hmm. or even bringing money in and out of the country. So these are things that you have to figure out first before you start saying, I want to open up a factory in this place. Yeah. And because Pakistan has been a place where manufacturing has been part of the country, it's a lot easier to go into something that's already been created versus going in first, creating it, spending a lot of money, and then you're not really sure if it's going to work out. So to answer the question, it definitely will be part of the long-term vision, whether it's the next five, 10 years, we're not sure. But we definitely want to be able to help our brothers and sisters back home. That's what I was going to say, because what you just said there, you said, obviously, um, receiving a lot of backlash online. Why are you not opening a country in your, why are you not opening a factory in your own country? Sorry. What was that like? That must have been overwhelming. Because you're the face of it. Like, when I think of it, again, you're young, you're black, you're Nigerian. Opening factories in Pakistan, China, and you ain't done it in Nigeria. So I can imagine they must have been on you pretty heavy. Yeah. How did you get past that? Because I know that would be a bit overwhelming. The thing is, you have to be able to... Like in business, you have to be able to have grit. You have to be able to sort of listen to people's feedback. Like Mm -hmm. I completely understand what they're saying. But one thing that I sort of resonate to is you have to be in the industry to understand what you need to do. You can't pivot. You have to be in the industry to know what you want to do. You can't pivot from outside the industry. Heavy, heavy. You have to be in the industry to pivot Mm -hmm. and say, okay, today we're going to be here in Pakistan. 
tomorrow we're going to be here in China. Yeah. Maybe the next couple of years, we're going to be in Nigeria. We're going to be in Ghana. We're going to be in South Africa. Yeah. But from the outside perspective is, oh, you just chose to open up in Pakistan yeah. versus going back and open up to our brothers and sisters in Africa. Mm -hmm. And so what I kind of normally do is I don't really take offense to it. It is what it is. You're never going to be able to please everybody. But I think the most important thing is that these are concerns that people are raising. And so we have to take that on board and say, okay, that may not have been in our plan. Mm -hmm. Is it possible to bring it into the plan? If it is, how are we going to get this done? Is it going to benefit the business? Because at the end of the day, it has to benefit the business. Yeah. And then we can start making plans and executing on those plans. Like you just said there, if it benefits the business. So business and pleasure, you don't want to mix. Doesn't matter no. if you're black, white, blue or Jewish. Oh, I would no. say go where the money is. And what you've done, great achievement. But for your actual business now, who's your actual target audience as well? Like, do you have a specific niche you we really do. trying to go for? Who is so it? as I said before, we have two elements. So we have brands that are just starting out. Mm -hmm. And we've got established brands that have we've been working and servicing for some time. So for Weezer's products, it's mostly small brands. So yeah. brands that are sort of figuring out, oh, I'm looking for a factory. I'm not sure where to go. I need some help in terms of finding someone that can make my products. Yeah. So that's one element which we deal with. The other element is we're working with big brands as well. Um, as I said before, I can't disclose too much, but we're also talking about Premier League football teams as well that we're working Ooh, on at excellent. the moment. And so we have the ability to service both mm -hmm. simply because we've got supply chains coming from China, supply chains coming from Pakistan. Yeah. We also have partners in other regions as well. And so between those locations, we can say, yeah, we can we can help on that project. We can help with project as well. You don't have to be somebody who's making millions to be able to start a business. Yeah. You can start with what you've got. We can create a plan for you. And then we can take it from there and sort of help you to kind of get designs made and get your samples done and start production. You see what you just said there? Pretty much you pretty much highlighted the capital you need to start a business. A lot of people think you need millions to grow like a huge company. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's true or not true? Or could you, how would you say? I would, let me, let me answer that question with Be an analogy. Be real with it as well. Let me answer that yeah. question with an analogy, right? So, if you're going to grow a plant, you need sun, you need air, and you need water. Perfect. Right? You need sufficient amount for all three. Mm -hmm. Let's say, for example, you don't have sufficient, you don't have sufficient sun, you've got a decent amount of water, and then you've got a decent amount of oxygen. You can't really give that plant enough opportunity to grow. True. So the point I'm making is that there isn't an actual amount which is sort of reflective to the answer. It's relative. Yeah. You could say a small startup for you, you could put an investment of 100K. To somebody else, an investment could be 10 grand. Somebody else, an investment could be 100 pound. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is that you have to look in the industry and see what other people have done. Mm -hmm. That information may or may not be available, but let's be honest, we know if you're spending 500 pound on trainers and then you're putting 100 pound in your business, <laughs> you understand? <laughs> it's, 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 you need to think about what you're doing. Like if you're yeah. doing a lot more in terms of your personal life, yeah, you're going on holidays, you're buying cars, like you're doing these sort of things, then use that same energy for your business as well. Put that same money into your business because although the holidays and cars are fun, they're liabilities, they, right? But that money you're putting in could be potentially an asset. It could be something that bears fruit that will give you stuff to buy your cars, to go on holidays, to buy your trainers, to, do, to live the lifestyle you want. So there isn't, the point I'm making is there isn't an actual amount that I could say you need to put yeah. like 20 grand in to start a business. But I think most people know that the money they're putting in would be sort of 
reflective of how they can grow the business. So that's what I would say. Obviously, when you're talking about the finance and um, pretty much what you said there, that really resonates with the young version of me. I'm not going to lie. Mm. Like when I was in university and I wanted to start a business, I would probably have about a thousand pounds. I would probably spend about 800 in trainers. Yeah. And then 200 pounds, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, let me put that to my business. Then I'll go into the business money. I'll be like, you know, let me take let 100 pounds and go out. out. Stuff like that. So I've got 100 yeah. for the business now. Yeah. And I understand you with that. And I think that's really how it is nowadays, especially with younger people who want to start a business. They'll put their capital into liabilities, like things what's not really going to bring them any money, even though they want to get rich. Mm-hmm. And that's the real stumbling block what I really face with a lot of clients nowadays, especially young Gen Z people. Yep. They all think the same. Like they want to put minimal into their business. It's uh-huh. almost like if you want to be healthy, you can spend £100 on good food or you can go to a restaurant and spend £200 and they'll sure. spend on a restaurant and that's it. Yeah. And I think that's very bad and I think that's what obviously where people need to change their thoughts if they want to be successful. So I learned, I learned, I learned a powerful principle in China. Ooh, right? So most people that own factories in China, they drive nice cars. Mm-hmm. They drive or wear nice watches. But you can never really tell because their clothing yeah. is basic. They're not wearing designers. Yeah. And so what I realized was that a lot of these people in China who are doing well, they actually wear basic stuff. Mm-hmm. They've got a massive factory where they probably own over maybe a couple of machines that are worth like five, 10 million. They've got employees that are probably over a hundred people. Yeah. But they're not out there stunting and, you know, wearing the latest t-shirts and the latest sort of stuff. Like even when you look at people that we know, Mm-hmm. Like people that we know in 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 the business um, world, they don't wear flashy stuff. It's mostly True. blanks. They wear maybe a blank top or when I say blank, I'm talking a plain top. Yeah, plain maybe like jeans and standard trainers. And so, if these guys who are making this sort of money are wearing this sort of stuff, why are we now thinking we have to be dripped out all the time? Would you say that's the Western been? world though? That's the like, <laughs> expectations. The expectations. Why do you think it's like that? I think we, I think as business owners, we feel, you know, we have to put up a front to say, my business is doing well. Mm-hmm. When it's okay to say, you know what? My business is like everybody else. It's not, it, there's going to be peaks and valleys. There's going to be times yeah. where it's going to be good and there's going to be times where it's going to be bad. That's the nature of the business. Yeah. And so I feel like we have this sort of ideology that we have to portray a certain way and a certain lifestyle. Like I remember, like I've run a business for years. I've only just bought a car a year ago That's and it wasn't because I couldn't afford one mm-hmm. it's because I was pumping money back into the business I was using that on win new business I was using that on investing in staff I was using that on like puts in the factory so yeah. it's not that I couldn't divert that money to it but I thought you know what a factory or a car which one is actually gonna gonna yeah. help me so don't get me wrong I I I didn't like it, but I knew that's what I had to do to kind of grow the business. And so you have to make these tough, tough choices as a business owner. Definitely. As a young business owner, yeah, I personally think when you're in your 20s, you should spend your 20s to grind. Yeah. So all your capital, like everything you focus on, it should be about really developing your business. So then by the time you're in your 30s, you have more of a comfortable life. Because to be honest, a lot of people in their 30s, especially the young males, they're struggling. Like they don't even know what they're doing. They don't mm-hmm. even know how to do it. So they're still thinking of what route to go down. But you saying, obviously, like, again, you're just getting your car recently because you're pumping all your money in your business. People, if you want to become successful, that's how you have to be. You really have to put your priorities first. And that is becoming successful. So you need to do the things you need to do to get to where you need to get to. So that's outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I would even say, like, somebody said, like, your 20s, you learn, your 30s, you grow, and then your 40s, you kind of, like, gain and win all the things that you've done the last 20 years. And so... Repeat, oh, so, sorry, so, people, people, so repeat that 20s, in the camera. Say that right there in the camera. Learn, the 30s you grow, oh. 
and then your 40s, you reap all the things you've done over the last 20 years. So I feel like the earlier people start their business, the better. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not everyone has that opportunity to do so. Everyone's circumstances are different. That's fine. Yeah. But the earlier you start, the more opportunities you have to kind of fail, understand what you did, improve, and then learn from that as quick as possible to then move forward and, and actually obviously grow the business. So I think everyone should just, just start a business, man. <laughs> just start you a business, what? man. Let's get something started because at the end of the day, we want to be able to control our lives. We want to be able to, you know, do things for our family, do things that we for people that we love. Yeah. I'm not saying that you can't do that at nine to five. There are opportunities where you can do that. Yeah. But I think with a business, you have more freedom. If you want to go on holiday today, you could say, I'm packing up my stuff and going on holiday. There you go. Like, I can imagine you flying in and out all the time. I'm correct? literally flying out after this podcast. Excuse me? <laughs> I'm flying out after this podcast, yeah. Where are you flying to? So we've got a, a, a client that needs some stuff, like, very urgently in Washington. So yeah. we've got to fly out to China to collect the stuff, which is the samples, and then we fly out from China straight to Washington, deliver it to them, and I come back to the UK. And this is not this is not something that, you know, we do on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. but sometimes there are problems where you have to resolve, and you have to put make sure that your integrity is still on the line. Yeah. And so I told the client, I said, look, come rain or shine, We'll make sure we give you a product at a time that we've obviously promised. And so in the situation, I've got to fly out to China, collect it, and then send it over to But still, that freeness, that must be such an amazing feeling to know you can fly in and out because obviously you're the owner and you're the founder of your own business. And I know you have to help your clients regardless. Like, because again, customer satisfaction, that's one of the most important things. I can clearly imagine, like, if you ain't got happy customers, (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of trouble. Don't get me wrong. Like, we, we have... A lot of customers are happy with what we do, but you have to remember, we're still a small and growing business. Like mm-hmm. we, when I say small, I'm talking in terms of like, there's still a lot of things that we need to do. Yeah. A lot of milestones that we need to hit. And so we're going to get things right, but we're also going to get things wrong as well. But I think the most important thing is that as a business owner, you're always looking to drive the business forward. Yes. You're going to be the person that's going to be working at hours where everyone else has literally gone out and had fun, they're partying, doing whatever. You're still there always typing away. Yeah. So it's just a matter of um, keep it to the grind and just pushing the business as far as possible. I can imagine with business and like obviously how it is again, people think, okay, yeah, you can wake up when you want, you uh-huh. start when you want, you can finish when you want. But in reality with business, <laughs> you're working 12 hours. You're yeah. working absolutely 12 hours and you always have to come up with new projects, yep. new ideas, yep. new launches. Because yep. again, you have to keep the audience engaged yep. for whatever you're offering or whatever services you have. Uh-huh. And if you don't do that, your business will fail. Yep. And what I've noticed ever since I started my business four years ago, I've, I think I've accumulated about six gray hairs. <laughs> That's <laughs> the not, reality. Six gray hairs <laughs> in a matter of four years. Yep. My hair used to be all black and now all of a sudden I'm getting gray hairs. Yep. But I understand that's because of business and really the pressure it gives you, it's good pressure. I'm not going to lie. It's not bad pressure because obviously everyone wants to progress. So you know you need to put in the work. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm going to have to start using hair dye. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that, but still, yeah. So back to obviously we source products now. How do you actually um, market? Like, how do you do everything? Do you just have like one and two socials or? So I take note, and I've got to give credit to Gary V. Mm-hmm. Gary V always mentions just be transparent. Yeah. Show people what you're doing on a day to day basis. Yeah. And so stuff like today, we haven't. We're obviously talking about business, and so we could create that content record what we're doing, record the process of actually getting to where we were to here. Yeah. Obviously showing the setup and stuff and then heading back out again. That's literally one way. 
Mm-hmm. Another way is obviously the factory, which I mentioned before. Going out there, looking at factories, seeing which ones work, seeing which ones don't work. Bringing the customers in into what you're doing. Like yeah. making them feel involved, mm-hmm. making them feel like part of the group and part of like the family. And so I feel like transparency is really important. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it's about all the other stuff, which is being honest, being diligent, um, making sure that your clients are happy, mm-hmm. serving them the way that, that you would want to be served. Like these are all like fundamental principles that we're taught from a young age. I'm hoping that we're being taught from a young age, but these are things that we expect. Yeah. And so why shouldn't we be doing these things at a bare minimum? We should be doing these things as well. So I think whether you are able to start with one and then grow it, that's yeah. fine. But what I would suggest is you always listen to your haters in the business. Like there's customers that are going to be hating on you. Oh, you didn't respond to my message. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. Those are the people you should be listening to. Yeah. Because they're going to highlight the weakest part of your business to figure out what you could do to improve on it. So sometimes like, all this negativity is not that bad. It's an opportunity for you to sort of pivot, as we said again, like think about how can we sort of deal with these issues, but yeah. bring them or turn them from weaknesses into strengths. You know, one thing I really love about you, honestly, like even just speaking to you on here for not even too long, but um, just the way you are when it comes to your transparency and your honesty with business, because I've spoke to a lot of business people who inflate things. Mm -hmm. They don't tell me the reality. And I remember when I first started business, I tried to get a mentor. He sold me a complete dream. (laughs) Complete dream. (laughs) They tend to do that, don't they? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sold me a complete dream. Um, You will get rich in a matter of months. Months down the line, paid for his course, he disappeared. So obviously... That's one thing I really like about you, the transparency and your honesty, how it is with businesses and how you really listen to your customers. Because their customers' feedback is obviously how you improve your business going forward. And I really do like that. Yeah, I think... I don't get me wrong, like, business... Like, creating a business is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, but it does bring in a lot of benefits. And so I feel like sometimes you have to be real with yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to be realistic with what you're doing, what your projections are, and then how you're going to accomplish it. Sometimes you may have goals and plans that say, you know what, I want to grow from here to here in six months. Yeah. You start tweaking the business around and say, maybe I add that one person in, maybe I push more money into marketing. It's like a puzzle. You're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. There's going to be times where you're going to fail very, very big. That's just part of the, that's just part of the, 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 the game. Like You just have to get that out of the way and say, yeah. you know what, oh, I don't want to fail my business. You're going to fail just understand that and accept it for what it is. But what I would say is the 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 more the quicker you fail and the quicker you can recover from it, the more opportunities you have to actually grow the business. Yeah. It's just to learn the language. It's like you've got maybe 50 to 100,000 mistakes you have to make to become fluent. Yeah. Whether you do it in one year or whether you do it in two months, you have to make those 50 to 100,000 mistakes. And once you've done that, then you can say, okay, I've done that. I've got experience of doing that. I remember it was embarrassing having a conversation. I said the word this when I should have been that. You understand? I should have said like tea and I said dog or whatever it is. You understand? But once you've got over that and you're comfortable making like mistakes, then it's it's all game, man. It's honestly like a beautiful thing. Yeah. When people think taking L's, it's like a loss. It's not. It's a learning curve. It really is. 100% a learning curve. It really is. And you know, especially when it comes to business now, like you're never, never, nothing's going to be perfect. That's the honesty. It's never going to be perfect. You have to go across a lot of things. You have to come up against a lot of things as well to really know what to do going forwards. Mm -hmm. Because again, even with nature of my business, I've 
done a lot of mistakes. Like I've really focused on the wrong things. I've really invested in the wrong things. But going forwards now, as I'm older, I've really noticed that I need to make these mistakes to know what to do going forwards. You have to. You have to. You have to. I think um, even as you were saying that, it reminded me of um, it reminded me of a time where I think we had an opportunity to invest in in a particular project, mm-hmm. right? And the sort of advice that was coming to us, you know what, you need to invest in this. Like if you do this, maybe in like five years, you make some money back. Yeah. And this project was unrelated to our business. It was for a gym in China. And I was like, you know what, the numbers, they seem really, really good. They mm-hmm. seem like really, really good. Like I think I should invest. And for some reason, it just didn't work out. A couple of months later, we had COVID. Yeah. And everything was shut down. We couldn't train in China. We couldn't go out to restaurants. Like everybody was locked in their homes and you had a pass to kind of go out, maybe buy a shopping, buy like medicine and come back. Yeah. And so the point I'm making is that you're going to be able to be in situations where once you've overcome these mistakes and once you've made mistakes, because you're going to make mistakes, right? Once you've made these mistakes, you become wiser and then you start thinking, okay, but if I'm going to make this sort of business, I'm going to create a business on top of the business I've got. Do I have the bandwidth yeah. to manage both? If I don't, do I now need to bring people in? If I do, what do the numbers look like now? Does it now make sense to run a business when I've got another business? Like you have yeah. to start thinking that way because you could run a business and put money into another business and run out of cash flow. Like run out of cash. That's the thing. And I know obviously when it so, comes to one business, people always tend to obviously expand into different things. It's like the same thing with myself. Like I've got three different brands specialising in different things. For yourself, is it just resource products or have you got other projects? So, so well? a good question. I think that's a good question. I think the, the motto that I've found is if you're expanding or opening up businesses that are similar to the main business, you can share the resources across. Correct. Right? So we specialise in supply chain, mm-hmm. which is manufacturing products. So... Whether we manufacture t-shirts today or man- or manufacture like tables or manufacture sort of um, automobile, whatever it is, we have the same team that we need to use the same process to manufacture it from a design perspective to an actual product. Yeah. So we can do that. When it now comes to different industries, me personally, I personally wouldn't do it. Yeah. Unless I've got the bandwidth to do it because you basically need to have a business that's up and running that doesn't really require to be in the business to then focus on something else. Yeah. Because I have to say, where the energy goes is where the money flows, right? So that's what I would suggest. I understand you with that one. When when it comes to obviously the nature of your business now, how do you, like, how's your pricing structure compared to your actual competitors? Because I know obviously when it comes to sourcing materials, obviously it might be more expensive in China than it is in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So this is more for the people who are looking on creating their brands. Okay. They're obviously, they're going to want to know where to go to and obviously you're the main person to go to when it comes to sourcing these products. So how was your prices compared to your competitors like in the UK and everything like that? So specifically for clothing, Mm -hmm. I would say we are relatively competitive. Yeah. The reason why I say this is because if you go to China and source products, let's say for example, you want to make a clothing line for, let's say hoodies. Yeah. You want to order maybe 100 hoodies. The fact is what they generally do, they will charge you a, a very cheap unit price for the hoodies yeah what they won't do is they won't include the shipping the taxes the duties in there as well so initially you start off with oh this is like five pound a unit yeah perfect and then slap you with a bill of a thousand pounds on your shipping and taxes and so when you add it up it's actually more expensive than coming to somebody like us where we've 
basically price everything in together. And all you need to do is pay a one-off fee mm-hmm. and then you get your products. There's no other hidden sort of prices. There's no sort of like additional taxes and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We've got all of that covered. And so that's one element. The second element is you have to understand the industry. And I think businesses need to do their own research as well. Yeah. When we think about um, like China, we think about all of the big industries. We, you're looking at companies like you've got your Apples, you've got your... Zara's, you've got all these big, big companies that manufacture there. So the quality that's coming out from there is A1, mm-hmm. right? It's the best in the world. Now, when you compare that to Pakistan, Pakistan is still a, a growing um, country and the industry is also growing as well. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to say, oh, I want, I want the price of, say, Pakistan, but the quality of China from Pakistan. Yeah. It's got to be relative to the area. So I, I think the, the, where I'm coming to is this. If you have a lot of money to spend, let's say, for example, you're doing a couple thousand units. Yeah. China would be the best place to go to. Yeah. Outside of China, there's also other areas as well. You've got your Turkeys, you've got your Portugals, you've got your Vietnams, you've got whatever, Bangladesh. That's fine. If you're not at that level just at this point in time, then what I would suggest is go to Pakistan. Pakistan, you can start with very, very small um, quantities. You're probably looking at 50, 100 pieces. Yeah. Um, and then you can start from there, you can grow the business. And then once you grow the business, you can now say, okay, I've got to a platform where Pakistan has served me well, or this particular country served me well. Let me go somewhere else and let's develop and let's grow from that. And then you can start thinking of other, other sort of com- uh, countries that may be in line with the, the, the brand and the vision that you have for your company. So to answer the question, long-winded way, China's great, prices are good. Pakistan is great, prices are good. Yeah. But the price that we provide are competitive, if not better than those prices or those countries I've mentioned. Two things there what I definitely have to highlight. What you just said there really resonated with me when you spoke about the um, ordering from, from factories. They'll tell you the unit price, then you get a bill of a 1,000. I actually have experience with that. Really? Oh, my <laughs> Jesus. That was, oh, my. I think this is probably like around good five years ago. So the first product I ordered pretty much I didn't know that about freights uh-huh. I know you can also yep. get delivered yep. through yep. different yep. freights and they told me the unit price it was like two dollars mm-hmm. like two dollars or something like that for a unit and um when the invoice came to me now I think when it got to England I'm thinking oh yeah come straight to my house yeah yeah, yeah. fine I got a message from uh, I think it was from DDP or something like that oh um we have your inventory you have to pay like two thousand pound I'm like two thousand pound for, for what, what? understanding and people honestly you will come up you will really come up against this if people do not give you the full information but again if you source with them like we source products they will give you the full package price so you will know things because i face this problem of ordering products online and they keep out all these miscellaneous fees so when it gets to the uk i'm paying more money and it is an absolute headache so if you do want to start your brand i advise you go through him most definitely because they know what they're doing and they will give you the proper prices 100 percent let me just add on to that. I think like one of the benefits that we bring mm-hmm. is we have an establishment, a warehouse um, plus showroom in the UK. Yeah. So for brands that are based in the UK, they can do that. We also have a team that also facilitates uh, brands that are outside the country as well. Mm-hmm. And they can have a virtual tour of our factory. And so I think what we're bringing to people that I think some other companies may not be able to bring is the fact that we speak the same language. That's number one. Yeah, right? that could be a big issue. Like it is It is like when you're doing business overseas, it is a number one issue, which is I've got my ideologies. They have their ideologies. Is it syncing together? Yeah. And most of the time, it doesn't sync. So that's the first part. 
The second part is we have, obviously we're, we're from the UK. Yeah. So we have an understanding of what things happen in the West. So whether you're based in Australia or Canada or, you know, America, we kind of have and share similar traits in terms of values and in terms of how we conduct business. And so that's another benefit. Mm-hmm. In the East, and when I'm referring to East, I'm talking about East um, Asia. Yeah. Things are very different. Mindset is very different. And it's not to say that it's wrong. It's just different ways of doing business. Yeah. And so as someone coming into the industry, you don't want to be dealing with language barriers. You don't want to be dealing with time zone differences. No. You don't want to be dealing with like different expectations. You asked for this, you asked for a t-shirt and they gave you, they printed tea, <laughs> like on your t-shirt. Like you didn't ask for that. So yeah. the benefit of coming to us is simply, we understand the concerns that you're going to have. Mm-hmm. We've been there before. We have a um, team in various countries that are dedicated to work with the factories. Yeah. Or even if they're from working with us directly, they will obviously execute that. And we know what it takes to make products. And so yeah. sometimes I kind of feel like we get people that come to us and say, oh yeah, I spent like £2,000 or £5,000, £10,000 with this factory because they told me it was this. So I said, well, we could have done it for you for a different price job yeah. that would benefit your business. And you wouldn't have all the stress. But because you assume that this is the best place to go, yeah, you've gone there, you've been burnt, you've now spent the money and now you're looking to do this whole thing again. And so what I would say is for brands, especially if you're starting out or if you're established, like, at least have a conversation with us first. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't cost you anything to have a conversation with us. Let's let's understand what it is you want, what it is you need, and we can tell you if it's viable. Like I've yeah. lived in China for many years. I speak the language. Like we travel out all the time to these places. So we know and have a very good idea as to how things happen, how things operate. Yeah. Versus other people who may tell you something just to benefit. And so that's what I would suggest. I think the, the one of the benefits is that we've we've we're always there. We, we go back and forth. We have a team there, but more importantly, we have a pr- a passion to bring in products to life, and yeah. that's something that I work day in and day out to kind of do for brands. So there you go. Just, like just give us a bell, man. Just let us know. We, we'll sort you out. I, I like that. I like the fact that you really do care about your customers. I like the fact that you have that real hidden passion behind the actual business as well. It's not just take people's money and just do whatever. You really are thinking yeah. about it. So guys, if you are really looking to start your brands, you want to source your materials, again, if you do it, do it overseas, like in India or in China, language barriers is going to be a real serious issue. Because again, they might not understand what you want. But again, if you source it here in the UK with phenomenal people like this, who own these amazing companies, life will be a lot easier for you. But um, today has been absolutely outstanding speaking to you, Samuel. Likewise, man, it's been good. Thanks really? for inviting me, honestly. Definitely having you on the show, I know I can already tell they already love you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope I haven't scared anybody. But uh, honestly, like creating a business is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's going to require your blood, sweat and tears. But it's beautiful, especially if you're passionate about what you do. Yeah. You're going to work and figure out some areas where you can kind of grow the business. You, yeah. you see weak points. You see opportunities to expand. It's amazing. You can bring people in. You can help people as well on the way. See what so. you said there, expansion, that's always key. And again, in life, you should always want to do better. Absolutely. You never want to stay at the same rate. Always want to do better. But again, today, again, like I said, it was an outstanding show. Before we finish, I just want you to please give the audience some business advice. And I'm talking about the Gen Z. I'm the not talking Gen about the older Z's. one. The Gen Z, give them good business advice. Drop it on them. What okay. would you say? What I would say is, information is accessible. We have the opportunity of learning things on social media, on YouTube, Google, like the world is transparent. And so 
what I would suggest is, if you're thinking of creating a business, look at businesses that have done something in terms of growing the business and making it work. And then all you need to do is figure out how do you make yours slightly different and make it grow. And that's essentially what it is. And so go out there, have a look at information, like be be like students and just learn as much as you can. <laughs> Honestly, like I wish I did it before. Go out there and learn as much as you can and then, and then literally just start a business and go from there. Guys, that advice right there, that's what we call powerful. And that comes from someone who knows what they're talking about. But today we're going to wrap it up. Again, it's been a phenomenal show. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for inviting me. 100%. Again, when it comes to Samuel's links, it'll be in the description below for his websites, all of his social media. Like I said before, if you want to start your brand, he is the go-to person to go to. But again, guys, thank you very much for watching and we will see you on the next episode, okay? See you later.